What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode number 31 of Sports Talk Buffalo. A lot has happened since the last episode, including the start of the NFL season, particularly the Buffalo Bills, and also the UB Bulls playing on national television for the first time in their football program's history. We're going to talk about all that in this upcoming episode, so stick around and let's have a good time. Before we jump into this week's show, I just want to take a time out to say thank you to everyone who has continuously listened to me week after week since the beginning of this podcast. We have grown slowly but surely, and for that, I thank you. Now let's keep the ball rolling and this podcast growing by you sharing me with your friends and family, your coworkers, or just anybody that you know that likes to listen to sports talk about Buffalo. Let them know you can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, right here on Anchor. They can also follow me on Twitter at SportstalkBuffalo716. Again, thank you for all the support. Now let's jump right into the episode. let's kick off this episode as we always do with some top stories from around sports and like I said a lot has happened since the last episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. Starting in the NFL and the Antonio Brown saga that was this past few weeks since the last episode like I said Antonio Brown has threatened to punch his former GM of the Oakland Raiders Mike Mayock in the face. He then apologized in a team meeting which They said was a very heartfelt apology. The very next day, he posts on Instagram at the the Oakland Raiders to release him. The Oakland Raiders effectively void his $30 million uh, guaranteed money in his contract due to conduct detrimental to the team and release him. And he is later signed just a few hours later by the New England Patriots to a $15 million one-year contract with $9 million uh, signing bonus. The contract also has a one-year option worth $20 million if the Patriots were to exercise that option. Of course, since signing with the Patriots, the wide receiver now has uh, allegations of rape and sexual assault in a civil lawsuit filed Tuesday in the Southern District of Florida. So an absolutely crazy few weeks of events for Antonio Brown and the NFL have taken place, and there is more to follow, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. Also in the NFL, New York Jets wide receiver Quincy Anunwa will miss the remainder of the season with an unspecified neck injury. This is going to be his second significant neck injury in just the past 25 months, and it is unknown whether it's going to be career a career threatening injury sad news out of cleveland as uh patera cordero uh girlfriend of brown's defensive end chris smith was killed wednesday in an automobile accident smith and cordero just had a daughter together last month uh petra cordero was just 26 years old and we wish that family all the best as they're going through this very difficult situation Sticking with the NFL and a little bit of a happier news comes out of right here in Buffalo, New York. 
Bills defensive tackle Kyle Pecco's wife, Juliana, announced Tuesday her cancer was in remission. She was diagnosed with stage 3 Hodgkin's lymphoma in June. Congratulations to her on getting herself into remission. Also in the NFL, the New York Jets acquire wide receiver Demarius Thomas from New England in exchange for a 2021 sixth round pick. Thomas became expendable after the New England Patriots acquired Antonio Brown. Moving ahead in the NHL, the Minnesota Wild have re-signed forward Kevin Fiala to a two-year $6 million deal. The 23-year-old had 13 goals and 26 assists split between the Wild and Predators last season. Also in the NHL, the New Jersey Devils have re-signed forward Powell Zaka to a three-year $6.75 million contract after uh, there was word that Zaka... uh, Pavel Zaka may sign in the KHL. The New Jersey Devils get this contract extension done. The 22-year-old had a career-best 13 goals last season. And lastly, in the NHL, the Columbus Blue Jackets have signed defenseman Zach Warinski to a three-year, $15 million contract. Warinski, 22, had 44 points in 82 games last season for the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's going to do it for top stories in this week's episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. But coming up, stick around. We're going to talk about the opening game for the Buffalo Bills. My goodness, what a game it was. And also, we're going to talk about the first ever uh, nationally televised game for the University at Buffalo Bulls football program. I can't wait. This is going to be a great episode. All right, we're going to kick off segment one with talking about the Buffalo Bills and their fantastic comeback win against the New York Jets in the season opener. Holy cow, what a fantastic game to watch. It was, it was an absolute, just an unbelievable game. It was, it was that good. Um, It wasn't that exciting throughout most of the game, honestly, but that fourth quarter and the comeback, it was just absolutely incredible. I'm going to start off by talking about Josh Allen. And coming out, a lot of people didn't know how Josh Allen would look. And I got to say, in his first drive of this 2019 NFL season, he looked crisp. He looked good. He was hitting his receivers. He was hitting them in stride. He was accurate. And he was, he looked confident out there. He looked very confident. Now, obviously, that first drive did not end very well for Josh Allen as the entire first three quarters of the game realistically looked for the, Buff- the entirety of the Buffalo Bills offense as they couldn't really seem to get out of their own way. Now, the first drive, of course, ended with Josh Allen dropping back to pass. He goes to tuck the ball, and he is uh, strip-sacked, and it is a turnover for the Buffalo Bills. That was their first turnover of four turnovers on the day, and that is incredibly significant. The Bills cannot continue to win games if they don't clean that up. Now, again, like I said, Josh Allen looked very, very good throughout the entire day, I thought. 
Um, they just weren't able to capitalize, and they just they turned the ball over at really inopportune times throughout a lot of the game. Now, Josh Allen finished 24 of 37 for 254 yards. He had one touchdown, but he did have two interceptions. Again, I don't put both of those interceptions on Josh Allen. Actually, I don't really put either of those interceptions on Josh Allen. Nevertheless, they show up on the stat sheet. The first interception, it was it was 50-50. I would put a little bit of the blame on Allen. I would put a little a little bit of the blame on Cole Beasley as uh, the Bills or uh, the, the pass comes in. The pass is a little bit low, right around the knee level, maybe even a little bit lower. But Beasley gets both hands on the ball. It deflects up into the air and right to right to the New York Jets waiting linebacker. Now, and that was a pick six, by the way. Now, on the next interception, the ball, uh, Allen goes to throw a pass. The ball's batted up into the air and again goes right into the arms of a waiting linebacker for the New York Jets. I already talked to you about the first fumble by Josh Allen. The second fumble, uh, the Bills were going for a short yardage situation, I do believe. And it was just a bad snap from Mitch Morris to Josh Allen. Again, Mitch Morris sat out the entirety of the preseason and camp and things like that because he was in concussion protocol since basically the first day in pads. So Josh Allen and Mitch Morris didn't have a whole lot of time to really work together and work out a lot of the kinks, and they were kind of doing it on the fly. Mitch Morris also admitted that that fumble was on him that was not Josh Allen's fault at all. Also in the game, Josh Allen did have 10 rushing attempts for just 38 yards, but he did score a rushing touchdown. We can jump ahead a little bit to some of the other players for the Buffalo Bills, and I gotta say, the additions of Cole Beasley and uh, John Brown are going to be more significant than I really believed that they would be at the start of the season. It seems as though um, McDermott and Brandon Bean really have an idea of what they're looking for in their offense, what they want their offense to be. Beasley routinely made catches. He had, I believe, five catches for 40 yards in the game. A very solid first first outing for Cole Beasley. He's going to be somebody that Allen can rely on to get open in those short underneath pattern. Somebody he can throw the hot route to when he's under pressure and Beasley will be able to come down with that ball. Now, when Josh Allen has a little bit more time in the pocket, which he had all game long, realistically, in this game, the uh, we're going to jump ahead a little bit. The offensive line looked fantastic in the pass game, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. They gave him some time, and he found John Brown seven times for 123 yards, including the game-winning touchdown. Uh, it was it was really awesome to see. Brown was a very good route. He seemed to be a very good route runner in the medium and long passing um, situations. Josh Allen and him seemed to just have some sort uh, a natural chemistry between them two. Other another player that kind of chipped in a little bit was tight end seventh round pick Tommy Sweeney, and I thought that he would play more of a role in this offense than a lot of people originally thought. I watched the game where uh, in the preseason where he had a couple of big time catches. In this game, he had two receptions for 35 yards, and I think that they should look to potentially get him more involved while Croft is still out. 
Another thing I wanted to address uh, in this last game was the offensive line. The Buffalo Bills went out and brought in a ton of offensive linemen and tried to mix and match and see who would potentially be the starting guys for the offensive line. And I got to tell you, it looks like a complete, well, it is a completely new unit, except for the left tackle, I do believe. But they look fantastic. They looked so good in pass protection, routinely giving Josh Allen three to four to five seconds to find his receiver, throw the ball, get it out of his hands, and not really feel the pressure in his face all the time like he did last year. Now, with Frank Gore back there, the offensive line didn't give Gore a whole lot of run uh, running space uh, in this game, but towards the end of the game, Devin Singlet- the offensive line gave Devin Singletary a ton of space as Singletary rushed the ball, had four carries for 70 yards. Four carries for 70 yards. He also added five catches for 28 yards. Singletary was a very big reason why, or a very big reason why the Bills got back into this game and why they ultimately won this game. And speaking of Singletary, I think he is poised to take over the RB1 spot on this Buffalo Bills team. Everyone said that he, although he was a rookie, he carried himself like a veteran all through training camp and all through the offseason since joining the Buffalo Bills organization. And I got to tell you that I was incredibly, incredibly skeptical of the pick uh, of Singletary in the third round. I thought they had other needs that they needed to go after. But clearly, that is why I'm not a GM and that is why I'm not a coach in the NFL uh, Singletary was an unbelievable pick. I, and the more I watch this kid, I know he doesn't have, uh, you know, four, four speed or anything like that. He ran, I believe by four, uh, four, six, six in the NFL combine. But I got to tell you, this kid's got game speed. He finds the hole. He explodes through it. He, he can routinely rip off big chunks in the NFL. He is going to be a very, very solid NFL running back, and I think that he can be the starter in Buffalo, and it's going to happen sooner than later. Mark my words. All you had to do was watch him play this last game against the Jets, and you would wonder why they say Frank Gore is still the number one running back in Buffalo. He just played lights out. Something they didn't do at FAU that he can do is catch the ball out of the backfield. So Singletary is a legitimate three-down back. They can utilize him in any situation, and he can produce numbers for you. Now, moving on to the next game, we're going to do a short preview of the Bills' next opponent. The Bills go back to New Jersey. Of course, as you know, the New York Giants and New York Jets don't play in New York. They play in New Jersey, so they're going to go back to New Jersey to face the New York Giants, who gave up four. 105 passing yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions to Dak Prescott. You heard that right. They gave up 405 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions to Dak Prescott. Now, I'm not knocking Dak Prescott in terms of his skills. 
but I got to tell you, I don't really consider him a top-tier quarterback. He's a solid starter, but if you're giving up 405 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions to Dak Prescott, your secondary is in trouble for the rest of the year. Now, the Bills could realistically look to exploit that. As Like I said, Josh Allen looked very comfortable, very confident in his opening game of his second year, of his sophomore year in the NFL. Completed over 60% over 60 of his passes. I believe it was something like 64% of his passes. Now, he has to clean up those mistakes, those interceptions. He has to um, clean up those fumbles. And realistically... The Bills are not going to turn the ball over four times every single game. They're not going to have to come back in the fourth quarter every single game. And let's jump back for a second. We talk about Josh Allen and and him being inaccurate and him being, uh, you know, ha- making all these mistakes. Well, I got to tell you what. When the game was on the line and it and it mattered most, Josh Allen was eight of ten for 102 yards and a touchdown. Now. We always talk about the it factor in sports. Does this guy have it? And you can't really define what it is. But I got to tell you, when I watch Josh Allen, I really believe, I'm starting to believe anyway, that he has it. This kid seems like he is just a winner. He will do whatever it takes to win the game. That he does not get rattled. Clearly, he had four turnovers in this game. Didn't get rattled, did what he needed to do. The defense held them in the game long enough, and he goes out there and pulls out a win in the fourth quarter of the opening game in a hostile environment against some against a quarterback who was taken a few spots ahead of him in the same draft, who everyone says is a far better quarterback than him. I gotta tell you, that was insanely impressive for Josh Allen, and I cannot wait to see what the rest of the season holds for this kid. But like I said, let's move on to the next game. And the Bills' defense, by the way, look unbelievably elite. They look elite. They look better than last year. And that's crazy considering they were the number two defense in the entire league last year. But in order for the Buffalo Bills to win this game, they're going to have to contain tight end Evan Ingram who had 11 catches and 116 yards and a touchdown against Dallas in week one. And of course, you have to contain their biggest weapon, which is Saquon Barkley, who had 11 carries, 120 yards, four receptions, and for 19 yards in the first game. As I said before, the New York Giants secondary appears very vulnerable, so it's going to be interesting to see what the Bills' game plan is going to be Is it going to be taking a lot of deep shots in this game? Uh, It very well may be. Uh, Their secondary looks to be very weak. And Josh Allen, coming off of that game uh, last week, should have plenty of confidence, especially the way he played that fourth quarter. As I said before, I think Singletary should get be able to have or should get more involved in this game. He should have more more than nine touches in this game, and I think he's going to make a big impact in this game for the Buffalo Bills. That's going to do it for this segment, but stick around for the next segment as we're going to talk about the University at Buffalo Bulls football program and their first ever nationally televised game against the number 15 ranked 
Penn State Nittany Lions. But first, a word from our sponsors. All right, let's keep this show rolling and jump into the next topic, which is the UB Bulls football team playing in their first ever nationally televised game against the number 15 ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. They played it at Penn State, and I got to tell you, that is got to be one of the most intimidating environments that a college football player can go into as they played in front of one of the the second largest crowd that UB has ever played in front of. The attendance at this game was 104,136. To put that in perspective, people, that is the size of a city, of a small to medium-sized city. That is insane that that stadium holds that much. The only crowd that UB played in front of that was bigger than that was in 2007 when they played at Penn State in front of 107,506. Talk about an intimidating environment for their first FBS opponent for redshirt freshman Matt Myers, who only threw 10 passes against FCS Robert Morris the week before. Now, when I talked about, I I think I talked about it when they played against FCS Robert Morris the week before, they only threw 10 passes. I really thought that they should have thrown a lot more passes and and gotten not just Myers more acclimated to Division I football, to college football, but to, for the receivers to get a little bit more acclimated to uh, the FBS level and Division I football overall, as there's a lot of inexperience for the wide receivers of the UB Bulls. I think one of the things that's going to help Matt Myers the most in this season is the fact that four out of the five starting offensive linemen from last year are returning this year. The only one that didn't return was center was the center, O'Hagan, from last year. And he uh, was an undrafted free agent signed by the New York Giants. I'm not 100% sure if he made the squad or not, or if he got cut and made some sort of practice squad. Honestly, I'll have to look into that and get back to you guys on that front. But I got to tell you, I know that the score at the end of the game was, what, 45-13. to I know that that was the score that a lot of people probably had going into it, uh, or roughly the Bulls losing by that much. But I got to tell you, if you watched the game, you know the Bulls played a lot better than 45-13. to They played a lot better than that. As a matter of fact, they took a 10-7 to lead into halftime against the nationally ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. And I got to say that my boy Matt Myers looked great. Not good, great. I thought that Matt Myers handled that situation incredibly. The kid looked like he had ice in his veins. He made big throw after big throw. And he led the team to a 10-7 lead going into halftime. Now, unfortunately, I got to say that he kind of had a little bit of a freshman mistake, a a, a rookie mistake, you could say. 
in the second half, the Bulls just get the ball back after a fumble, after the defense forces a fumble. Matt Myers throws an out route to Antonio Nunn, and the ball placement was maybe a foot and a half too far to the inside, and it is a house call for the Nittany Lions, and that is kind of where it everything kind of unraveled for the UB Bulls. Everything kind of went downhill from there. Um, but I got to tell you what, man, it was a fun game to watch. I was pumped up for an entire half. And I think that that game put UB and their, uh, football program in a really good spot. And it showed that the Bulls have a ton of talent on both sides of the ball that can compete at the highest absolute level of the FBS. And people say, oh, well, they lost 45 to 13. Guess what? The Bulls offense ran 90 plays and they outgained Penn State 429 yards of total offense to just 357 yards of total offense for the Penn State Nittany Lions. If you tell me they didn't play good, you didn't watch the game, you didn't look up stats, you just looked at the score. Like I said, the UB Bulls looked like they were going to steal this game away from Penn State. They really did for an entire half. But the weak spot on the Bulls, it looked like, could potentially be their secondary this year. The, The run game looks pretty stout, if you ask me. Or the run defense looks pretty stout, if you ask me. They looked like they were flying all over the place. They were making big play after big play. And they they played lights out the entire first half. Now again, the second half, the mistakes that the Bulls did make, you know, Penn State is too good a team, and they cashed in on on the field position and the mistakes that the Bulls did make, and that is what turned into a forty five to thirteen route of the Bulls. But like I said, we're gonna talk about Matt Myers. Now Matt Myers is a high two star recruit out of West Seneca West, right here in Western New York, and he won the job out of camp. He looked like he was ready to play on the big stage, as I said. Matt Myers is one of only three quarterbacks to ever, in high school in Western New York, to throw for over 2,000 yards and rush for over 1,000 yards. One of the other quarterbacks that did it in Western New York was none other than Chad Kelly. Now, you all know that the type of talent that Chad Kelly possesses, and if he could ever get his act together, he would. He could have potentially been a first-round quarterback. And I think, I'm not saying that Matt Myers is going to be a potentially first-round quarterback, but I got to tell you what, watching Matt Myers play, he is our quarterback, man. He is our quarterback, and I am incredibly confident in Matt Myers going forward for the next few years. And I got to tell you what, I think he's going to take, I think he's going to help the Bulls in the next three years with the talent they have on this team win their first bowl game. I really do. And I think that he has the potential to be one of, to be the best quarterback to ever come through the university at Buffalo. He's athletic enough to get out of the pocket. He's athletic enough to run the ball and and make good plays. He's got the arm strength to make big-time throws, and he's not afraid to make those big-time throws and stand in the pocket and get hit in the mouth. 
And I think that's a big thing for a young quarterback. He stood on the touchdown pass that he threw in this game against Penn State. He stood in the pocket. He got hit in the mouth and delivered uh, a perfect catchable ball. Of course, his tight end was wide open, but he did get hit right in the chest and, and delivered a perfect pass. In this game, Matt Myers, his stat line is going to look a little bit less than I hyped him up to be, but I tell you what, again, against the number 15 ranked Penn State Nittany Lions, I and, and he's, he's a redshirt freshman, mind you, he looked, I, th- I thought he looked great, I thought he played great. He was 16 of 31 for 245 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. He made several high-level throws, like I said, several big-time plays to Antonio Nunn. Now, again, I think maybe next year a couple of these plays will actually be touchdowns if they play a team of this caliber, potentially. But uh, if a guy like Nunn gets behind the defense like he did on a couple of these plays, that they will they will be touchdowns. But he played, he played, I thought he played great, honestly. He really only forced one pass. He did make that one mistake, which was the INT. It was, it was a house call. But like I said, that those those plays happen. You can't really be too incredibly upset. You know, mistakes happen at, at every level. That mistake happens, you know, in the NFL also. Um, but he just he played great, and I really do think that he's got the potential to potent, you know, to possibly be the best quarterback to ever come through the University at Buffalo. And that says a lot, considering we had Tyree Jackson, who a lot of people said was a potential mid-round pick last year. Now, moving on to the running backs, I thought that the running backs played a very solid game against Penn State. They showed that we have some very, very talented running backs uh, for the UB Bulls. They do. They have some really, really talented guys for the Bulls and and Jared Patterson, who is a two-star recruit, and Kevin Marks, I believe, was a three-star recruit. But Patterson carried the ball 23 times for 71 yards, averaged, I think, 3.1 yards a carry, which is not great, but it's not terrible against a team that is supposedly supposed to outmatch, you know, out-talent you the entire game. And Kevin Marks had 17 carries for 64 yards uh, and no touchdowns, of course, as Matt Myers is through the only touchdown that the Bulls scored in this game. Now, Dylan McDuffie, a fairly high three-star recruit out of uh, Sweet Home, I do believe right here in western New York, had six carries for 43 yards, and he actually ran the ball fairly well at the end of that game. And and I think we're going to see a little bit more of of McDuffie as the season goes on uh, for the Bulls. Now, the next game for Buffalo is at Liberty, and this is going to be Liberty's second season in the FBS level as they transition from FCS to FBS. And I got to tell you, they had a pretty respectable record last year for their first season ever in the FBS as they went 6 and 6. Now, like I said, that is that is a pretty that it not just respectable, that's actually pretty astounding that they transitioned from the FCS to the FBS and they won 6 games. You know, that if they had bowl eligibility in their first season, they would have been bowl eligible and they they probably would have gotten a bowl game for being honest. 
Now, Liberty is led by their offense and their QB, Stephen Buckshot Calvert. And his 2018 stats, he threw for 3,068 yards. He threw for 21 touchdowns, but he did throw for 18 interceptions. They also have a very talented running back in Frankie uh, Hickson, who who rushed for over 1,000 yards. He rushed for uh, 1,000 yards, uh, 1,032 yards, I'm sorry. He averaged 4.5 yards a carry, and he had 11 touchdowns. Both of those guys are returning. They also have a wide receiver, Antonio Gandy-Golden, who caught 71 passes for 1,037 yards and 10 touchdowns last year. I got to tell you that this is going to be the first actual test of of how good the Bulls really are going to be in terms of where they're going to slot in in the MAC, Because Liberty is a very talented team and is on the, the level of a lot of the MAC teams that the Bulls are going to play this year. Now, the game, like I said, is going to be played at Liberty, at Arthur L. Williams Stadium, and the capacity is not quite what it is um, for the Nittany Lions, but the stadium capacity is 25,000. So I, if Matt Myers handled 104,000 screaming fans on national television, I think he's going to be able to have a pretty solid game Again, uh, in front of you know potentially twenty to twenty five thousand fans on ESPN Plus. Like I said, this is uh, you know it's it's been exciting for me. I really, really, really enjoy watching this kid play. I can't I can't wait for every single game. Uh, I think he's really going to grow into a fantastic quarterback for the UB Bulls. If you guys haven't watched the Bulls, I'm going to tell you this: tune in. Tune in. The more people we get to support this program, the bigger it's going to get, and the more times we're going to be on national television playing teams like Penn State. Now, Buffalo actually did have a very good rating on Fox Sports when playing Penn State. They actually averaged in the Western New York area as much as the average Buffalo Sabres game, which is pretty impressive if you ask me for a, a program that is not normally thought of as you know, a program that a lot of people pay a whole lot of attention to in Western New York. But I got to tell you, I think they're really turning heads. Lance Leipold is doing an unbelievable job with recruiting and with game planning and with his overall coaching ability. I really think that we found our guy for not just now, but for the future. He is a, a very talented coach. He recruits well. And and I like I said, I, I really think that the UB Bulls are going to win their first bowl game, if not maybe this year, potentially next year. I think that they have the talent to do it and uh, the coaching staff to do it. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. I want to thank you guys for listening all the way through to this point. I got to tell you, if you enjoy what you're hearing, make sure you tell your friends and family. This podcast is growing slowly but surely, so let's keep that momentum going. Tell your friends, tell your family. They can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, right here on Anchor. Uh, they can also follow me on Twitter at Sports Talk Buffalo 716 uh, for any news and or uh, my opinion on any of the things that are happening on the Twitter sphere. Once again, thank you guys for listening. Have a good week.